With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. With the year of the rat drawing to a close, and as we look forward to ushering in the year of the ox, it's been a week of mixed blessings and signals for China's business world. China's manufacturing sector continues to grow, but at a slower pace. China's GDP is growing, but debt is growing faster still. And while a German insurance company has been given the green light to open the country's first wholly foreign-owned insurance asset management firm, Chinese companies have been shown the red light in India, as a number of apps have been banned permanently. With no mixed signals and just the news, here's what's been happening in China this week. As the Chinese New Year comes ever closer, so does Chunyin, the largest annual movement of human beings in the world as people travel across the country to be with their families. However, as cases of COVID-19 have re-emerged across China, authorities are bringing in tighter restrictions to try and discourage travel and control the possible spread of the pandemic. A reported 3 billion journeys were recorded in 2019, This year's estimate is 20% lower than last year's total, and the number of trips taken by road, rail, airplane, and boat are down about 50% from the comparable period last year, according to the Transport Authority. China's manufacturing recovery continued to lose momentum in the first month of 2021 as supply and demand growth slowed amid the coronavirus pandemic. The Caixin China General Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI, which gives an independent snapshot of the country's manufacturing sector, dropped to 51.5 in January from 53 the previous month, according to a report released Monday, February 1st. A number above 50 indicates an expansion in activity, while a reading below that signals a contraction. The January reading, while making the ninth straight month of expansion and a bounce back from the worst impact of the pandemic, was the lowest in seven months. China's government debt-to-GDP ratio has surged as public spending has boomed and revenue has shrunk. China's official government debt as a proportion of GDP rose by 19% last year as the authorities authorized billions of yuan of spending to help the economy recover from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and extended tax and fee cuts. 
Outstanding central and local government debt now stands at 45.8% of GDP, compared with just 38.5% at the end of 2019. The Ministry of Finance, however, was quick to point out that the ratio is still lower than the international warning line of 60% set by the EU in its Maastricht Treaty in 1992. German insurance giant Allianz was given the green light by Chinese authorities to set up China's first wholly foreign-owned insurance asset management firm. The new company, Allianz Insured Asset Management Company Limited, Allianz IAMC, will be incorporated in Beijing. The approval came just as China and the European Union last month concluded long-running negotiations on a bilateral investment agreement that gives each region's businesses greater access to the other's markets amid tensions between China and the U.S. India has permanently banned a number of apps backed by some of China's top internet companies, including TikTok, WeChat, and Taobao, the country's media reported last week, formalizing a temporary measure that was taken last year over privacy and national security concerns. The group of banned apps had initially been accused of engaging in activities detrimental to India's sovereignty, integrity, and defense of the country, along with, quote, stealing and surreptitiously transmitting users' data in an unauthorized manner to servers which have locations outside India, end quote. The bans have come amid broader tensions between China and India on their shared border, where one of the biggest flare-ups in years resulted in fatalities last June. More recently, media reported another minor clash took place last week. Ford has come under considerable criticism on Chinese social media for a culturally confusing ad campaign which appears to focus on horses just ahead of the Chinese New Year, which will usher in the Year of the Ox. The horse-centric campaign for the company's first pure electric SUV, which will be produced with SAIC Volkswagen for its Shanghai partner, seems to have struck all the wrong notes with China's active social media users, with one popular comment saying, I might not be able to tell my year of the ox from my year of the horse, but I know I want to make money from the Chinese. Ouch. A criminal investigation into a man who allegedly spread COVID-19 to 82 people has sparked a legal debate across China. Police in Tonghua, Jilin province, one of the hardest-hit areas in the latest outbreak, opened an investigation into whether a salesman, identified as Patient Zero, violated infectious disease prevention rules. But legal experts have challenged the probe as a crime is committed only if the suspect knows they have an infectious disease, refuses to follow directions, and deliberately violates control measures. The investigation follows the recent high-profile announcement of a returnee from the U.S. who kept her COVID-19 symptoms secret, triggering dozens of infections. She received a suspended jail sentence for violating control measures. Let's turn now to Caixin Global's Nandini Venkata, a podcast producer for Caixin Global, and of course, the co-producer of this show. Nandini, welcome to the show. Hi, Kaiser. Great to be here. Okay, Nandini, there's been a pretty disturbing story making the rounds about a care home that's been accused of scamming elderly people. Can you fill us in on exactly what's going on? Yeah, so this is definitely a very disturbing story, but it's also very tragic, so um, this all took place in China's central Hunan province. About two weeks ago, an elderly man 
was spotted by eyewitnesses jumping off a bridge and into a river. A few days later, his body was recovered, and he's been identified as Cao Ronglin, a 62-year-old man who had been living in a care home. Quite sinister suspicions are now floating that Cao's apparent suicide could have been linked to this same private care home company, which is being accused of dodgy dealings. Um, But I should say that it's far too early to jump to any conclusion just yet. So what exactly was this alleged scam all about? Okay, so um, first of all, a source familiar with the matter told Saishin that the elderly man had paid a substantial portion of savings into investment products that were offered by a private company called Yian Nanhua Elderly Apartments, or just Nanhua for short. And um, Tao had reportedly handed them a whopping 170,000 RMB, which is roughly equivalent to a bit more than 26,000 US dollars. In return for making such an investment, the elderly man received a bed at a care home operated by this company, as well as discounts on several of its services. But I should point out that he was far from the only one paying into the scheme. It seems that several other elderly people were doing this too, and they had discovered Nanwar after the company promoted itself in their local community. It seems like the company also won a lot of confidence and trust by saying that it had been featured in local state media. But then in 2020 came an unexpected plot twist. That year, Nanhua's legal representative was arrested amid accusations of illegal fundraising. And of course, these explosive allegations served as a real blow to the company, but they also had devastating ripple effects for the people who had been paying ample portions of their life savings into the company. Many of them were left out of pocket and they lost their place in the care homes where they had been living. And according to a source, this was especially traumatic for Sal because he had lost the funds necessary to pay for his wife's um, ongoing medical care. Clearly, this is a very tragic story on a personal level, but I wonder whether there are any wider implications to it. Yeah, well, I think it's important to remember that China is facing right now a huge socioeconomic challenge, which is, of course, um, its rapidly aging population. And this phenomenon is definitely going to amplify demand for elderly care and end-of-life care. But of course, the big question is, does the country have the resources to cope with such a aging? Indeed, reports have already been surfacing about how the country is already grappling with a severe shortage of nursing homes. So what makes things even more concerning is that um, private companies who are very opportunistic may just swoop in to take advantage of the situation and essentially con vulnerable people into making high-risk investments, all for the promise of a place to stay in a care home. 
So this definitely is a concerning story. Okay, thanks, Nandini, for filling us in, and we look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thanks, Kaiser, and speak to you soon. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Vincata, with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. For more on China, be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SubChina, especially our new China Stories, which features stories not just from SubChina and Caixin, but also from Sixth Tone, The World of Chinese, and The Wire China. Find us at SubChina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.